Welcome, everyone, to another episode of 8 Minutes of Ew, the place where we use curiosity and science to turn fear into fascination and those ews into oohs. By the way, I'm your host, Miss Mallory, the curious conservationist and self-proclaimed grossologist. Let's get started. Welcome back, my grossologists. In this EO-inspired episode, we're going to talk all about Venom. And while he's a pretty cool character, I'm not talking about the popular Spider-Man villain who shares the same name, but the powerful protein package that helps animals fight off predators, capture prey, and even fight off the competition. But today, we will be doing a different format. Instead of me telling you what I love about Venom, I will be answering some questions that our listeners sent in. I just love this kind of interactive format, so if you would like to submit questions for upcoming episodes, you can do so on the 8 Minutes of Ooh Patreon account. I wish I can answer all the questions, but this is kind of my way of saying thank you for those who are supporting this passion project. So even if you're able just to do a few dollars for a single month, that money goes to some really great causes. So thank you again to all the Patreon supporters. I really appreciate you so much. So let's begin. First question comes from McKinney, Texas. Oliver asks, how is venom made and does an animal have a never-ending supply of it? Great question. Um, as you can imagine, the world of venom is one that very few know a lot about, so understanding how it's made is a great place for us to start. So thanks, Oliver, for the great question. Venom is produced by specialized glands that are often associated with piercing mechanisms located on the animal. So this can be spines, fangs, and even tiny stingers like on jellyfish. An exception to this is the wide-eyed, snuggly-looking slow loris, which happens to be the only venomous primate. They may look harmless, but a slow loris can pack a gnarly bite laced with venom powerful enough to rot flesh. I am not joking about this. Unlike a snake that has its venom glands attached to the syringe-like fangs, the venom glands of the slow loris are actually located in its armpit. Really interesting, right? When the nocturnal primate licks the gland, the toxic liquid mixes with the saliva, turning the mammal's mouth into a potential lethal weapon. And unfortunately for the venom holder, the venom isn't endless and does come with a hefty price tag a biological one. It takes a lot of energy to make and maintain venom. So if you were a snake and just randomly started biting people, which of course they don't do, and this example will prove why, it would quickly run out and it's the only means of eating and defending for the snake. And let's be honest, most venomous animals are pretty pathetic without their venom. Snakes are armless and legless and have soft bodies. Scorpions and spiders are tiny and can be easily squashed. So their venom is precious. It's their livelihoods. And they don't want to waste it on you, for instance, when they can just run away. But make no mistake, they will use it if they feel like their life depends on it. So moral of this story, if you come across a venomous animal, don't ever approach it. Give it a chance to leave the area on its own. And if it won't, Call a professional. Most bites occur when trying to kill or remove a cornered venomous animal. Okay, next question comes from Cleveland, Ohio. Sarah asks, 
poisonous or venomous? Is there a difference? Sarah, I love this question because many people confuse the two or use them interchangeably. And I'm sure we have all heard someone say, don't touch that snake, it's venomous, or maybe don't touch that spider, it's poisonous. So which one is it? Is it poisonous or venomous? Perhaps both? Not usually. While both of these words are commonly used interchangeably, venom and poison aren't exactly the same thing. The thing that sets them apart is the way the toxic substance is delivered to the unfortunate victim. Poison is swallowed, inhaled, or absorbed through the skin. Poisonous animals like poison dart frogs some salamanders and insects would leave a very bad and even dangerous taste in the mouth of their victims. These animals take a more passive-aggressive approach and generally won't attack, but instead release their toxins as a result of being eaten, touched, or disturbed. Venom, on the other hand, is actively injected through a bite or a sting. But there are some animals that have the best of both worlds, such as the blue-ringed octopus, which is both venomous and poisonous. Great question, Sarah. Okay, next question is from my hometown, San Diego, California. Coulter asks, I was watching a documentary and it said the venom of a funnel web spider is very dangerous to humans, but not dogs. How can something much smaller not be affected by something that can be potentially deadly to a human? Talk about a bad experience, huh? A bite from the male funnel web spider in Australia is no joke. The side effects include extreme pain, breathing problems, confusion, convulsions, and dangerous changes in blood pressure. So why wouldn't little Fido experience the same reactions if bit? It isn't because of size, but of science. It turns out that the toxin that makes funnel web spiders dangerous to humans and other primates doesn't have the same response to other mammal groups' DNA. And speaking of venom reactions, I can't move on without mentioning the impressive group of animals that are venom-resistant. The bodies of hedgehogs, skunks, ground squirrels, muskrats, and domestic pigs have adapted to fight the effects of venom. And get this, researchers think opossums, the low-key nature hero that I love so much, possesses a venom-neutralizing peptide in their blood that may hold the key to developing a universal anti-venom. Go Team Ofo! But venom resistance is far more common in those who eat venomous animals than those who venomous animals regularly feed upon. For instance, grasshopper mice snack on scorpions, the paralyzing bark scorpion being a fan favorite, and Texas horn lizards hoard harvester ants, leatherbacks love jellyfish, and harmless king snakes feast on rattlesnakes. It's a major perk in the animal kingdom when you can eat the spicy stuff that everyone else avoids at the buffet, huh? Okay, moving on to our last question. This one comes from the lovely Lexi from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hi, Lexi. Her question is, I heard recently that rattlesnake venom is being used as a possible cancer for treatment. How can something that could possibly kill us be safe enough to inject us as medicine? Is this for real or is this just a rumor? Really, really great question, Lexi. I love the fact that we are looking into venom for medicine, and yes, this is true. Um, but before we get into the types of venom that's being used in medicine, let's do a little bit of a breakdown on what venom is. I think it will be really helpful when answering your main question. 
Just as there are no two types of animals that are the same, no two types of venom are the same. You see, venom isn't just one single type of toxin, it's a unique blend of them. And each toxin has a specific reaction, if you will, it's trying to create. Neurotoxins cause the nervous system to shut down or conversely go into overdrive. Meanwhile, cytotoxins eat away at muscle tissue. And then there's hemotoxins that can cause the blood to clot or cause the blood not to clot. Both of them can create some very serious issues. Then there are many other types besides these that can do some really serious damage too. And while they all sound like bad news, it's this incredible complexity and diversity that have researchers in the medical world studying them very, very closely. Because you see, working as a team, toxins can become powerful weapons, but individually, they can become powerful medicines. Let me give you a few examples. Getting its FDA approval in 1981, Captopril was known as the first venom-inspired medicine success story. It replicated a toxin found in a type of Brazilian pit viper that quickly increased blood pressure after being injected. When tweaked a little, it became a life-saving tool for those with very low blood pressure. But snake venom isn't the only rock star at the concert. Strangely enough, the paralyzing cone snail venom has been transformed into an extreme pain reliever. Gila monster venom inspired a medicine for type 2 diabetes. The Deathstalker scorpion's potent venom contains a toxin called chlorotoxin, which is being developed to diagnose cancers and possibly even treat tumors. Well, my aspiring grossologist, my eight minutes are up. Way up, it looks like. But how did you like this new format? I personally loved it. If you like this episode and would like to hear more ew-inspired segments, check out the other episode lineup on Apple Podcasts. And if you feel this podcast is one that you would like to see continue and grow, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. You can ask questions, recommend episodes, and be the first to listen to new episodes. Thanks again for joining me and set those notifications so you don't miss the next eight minutes of ill. Bye, everyone. 